you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to get it wrong. Um, and it's very, very easy to promise too much. And that would be as an investor, that's, that's something you want to avoid. You want to avoid um, situations where you think people may be over promising. Uh, our experience has been that we're, that we're, we have happier clients when we under promise and, and over deliver. Uh, and we think, uh, we think double digit IRRs on worthwhile real estate are really hard to find right now. Um, you know, we're looking. A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book. But there are some instances in which we do have dead time. And these are perfect times to learn. So we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio or maybe at the gym. Well, now you can dwell in and partnered with Amazon's Audible to give you the dwell listeners a free book. Yes, a free book. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book. This will also be in the show notes. You can click on the link. And if you don't have a book in mind and you say, Ola, I don't actually know where to start with. Well, awesome, because I can tell you what to start with today. It's a quintessential classic. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So download Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at ola at dwelling.com. And then feel free to also give us a, a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an exciting guest with us today. Um, just Actually, I was just telling him before we started recording here. He's done so much um, in his career and he's, done, he's still doing a ton. Um, Mark Hamilton. Hey, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate hey, Ola. How are you? Doing well. uh, I've been called a lot of things in my, my time, but I haven't been called exciting in a very long time. <laughs> but thank you. Exciting legend, actually, to add to that. <laughs> so, your, your hyperbole will get you everywhere. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, do you want to tell our listeners who you are, um, kind of what you've been doing, and what, you, what you've been up to lately? Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Mark Hamilton. Uh, I'm a real estate syndicator in San Francisco. Um, this is something I've... Uh, been working at since 1985, probably preceding many of your listeners. Um, and at, at the time, it was kind of a rabbit hole uh, that I stumbled down, my wife and I. Uh, but we found out that we just really loved uh, getting our arms around uh, older, rundown properties in, in San Francisco and putting a lot of uh, blood, sweat, tears, time, and money into them. Um, and we kind of got bit by the bug uh, and never turned back. So that was 37 years ago. Um, and, uh, my wife and I kind of ran, ran our little enterprise on our own for three years. Um, and then we became partners, uh, with another couple, um, who were doing the same thing. They were, they were good friends of my wife's from, from her hometown in Massachusetts. Um, and that ran for a while and then, uh, ended up doing it on my own kind of interchangeably with a few other business partners. And then in 20, in 2001, uh, I became partners with a fellow named Tony Zanz, who had a, a highly distinguished uh, real estate career at that point in time, but really wanted to get off the corporate track. Uh, and I was what I was doing was about as far from the corporate track as as you could get. It was about you know heavy lifting and 
um, like I said, blood, sweat, tears, and money, and investing money, and investing uh, money for, for friends and family. And uh, uh, it's been a wild success. Uh, our first acquisition in 2000, um, 2001 was a little 16-unit building uh, in Oakland, uh, which is across the bay from San Francisco. Uh, and that was about, that was kind of the lower edge of, of the size of properties that I was working on at the time. Um, and uh, certainly very, very much lower than anything Tony had ever worked on, but it was, you know, it was right in my wheelhouse and we took off and uh, the next year we did more. And the year after that, we did more and so on. And the only two years where our uh, acquisition volume has, has gone backwards were 2008, 2009. Those were, those were tough years. Um, but we bought, uh, you know, so in our first, in our first year together, part of a year, uh, we bought a property for a million one fifty, and last year we uh, acquired uh, a little over a billion dollars uh, in multifamily properties. And uh, I mean, I, I could say it's 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 been terrific. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot of help from a lot of quarters, including falling interest rates over the last twenty years. Um, but it, it, you know, it it is a it is a business that requires passion, and if you have passion and tenacity. Uh, and, and you go to work every day, you'll, you'll be in a position where, where good things can happen. And, and I really think that's, that's probably the backbone of our success story is just really loving the work and staying with it. Um, and then being able to surround ourselves with good people. So uh, it's been a terrific ride. I mean, I've just taken so, I was just writing this, there's, there's a bunch as you were talking, um, starting in 85, that's a long time um, and you're still doing it. If there's somebody listening to this and thinking, oh my goodness, this is someone that, you know, closed on a billion worth of, worth of assets just, you know, just in the last year and been doing it for, you know, 35, 36 years. Um, what, what, would, what would you want to say to that person if they're thinking of getting into this space, becoming a syndicator, taking down deals, repositioning those deals, um, and doing it for 35 years. What would you um, say to that person? Sure, sure, sure. I would say, um, I think probably the two most important things, well, maybe three. Um, I guess the first one is that we all have to expect that interest rates are going to go up from here, right? And and I've been around long enough to know, to actually be working in the industry when, when uh, interest rates were at 20% um, in 1980. I, actually, I think I started in, in 80, 81 and worked in a commercial firm it's kind of a research analyst for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a, an ocean of value. Um, multiple oceans of value have been created by interest rates moving from 20 to 2, which is where they are now. So, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody foresees um, shocking upward movement in interest rates. Um, and, and mind you, I've always called that wrong. I, I, I have always assumed that, that interest rates were we're going to go up since 2001. I've been assuming that interest rates would go up and they've only gone down, but at some point in time, they will go up. So uh, especially if you're borrowing, you need to, you need to have, um, you need to really sound check um, your thinking uh, about interest rate movement. movement. Uh, so I'd say that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, you really have to figure out how you're going to keep the candles burning and, and pay, you know, and have an income and, and, and pay your bills. Um, every month because uh, a lot of the rewards of this, this industry that I'm in are require a lot of delayed gratification. 
um, and you you might not be able to to meet your own personal overhead um, from things like asset management fees and and property management fees um, for 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 quite a long time. So you either have to be independently wealthy or or have a day job, um, be able to do it nights and weekends, or have a have a supportive spa, uh, spouse or partner. Um, because you have to make, uh, you know, you have to make the ends meet. Um, and and um, I guess the last thing uh, that you should do is be your own worst enemy when it comes to your underwriting. Uh, you're going to look at, you're going to look at, if you're, in my opinion, if you're doing it right, you're going to look at infinitely more uh, acquisition opportunities um, than you'll end up buying. Um, and, it, and it's because it's just so easy uh, to miscalibrate the, the relationship between uh, recurring expenses and recurring income, reliable uh, recurring income. And, and it's very, very easy. If you're doing stuff that's fixer uppers and, and, you know, a lot of heavy lifting, sometimes in the industry, we call it value add. You have to really uh, come to, uh, you, have to, you have to come to religion uh, about your CapEx costs. Um, and so I, I think those are the three uh, uh, first things uh, that I would suggest people think about hard and obviously all three of them have cautionary aspects to it but if you're not uh you know if you're not measured in what you do it's very easy to to do something that's not going to be any fun thank you so much for that mark so the other thing i i kind of picked on uh, you you started with your wife um you you know worked with her for a few years then you partnered with another couple um you know just for reference i'm actually partnered with you know, a couple right now. So it's three of us with the three GPs. So I'm mm-hmm. at that stage right now. Um, but then you said you kind of moved on and then you partnered with Tony Zen. Um, so how do you find a good or great partner? Um, That's a really good question. That's a really good question. And I, and it's, it's actually one of the better questions that I've been asked and the value in that having partners is tremendously valuable. Uh, Don Fisher, who was the, the founder of The Gap and who used to be a real estate syndicator back back in his youth, uh, once upon a time said, you want partners who can do things that you can't. Right. So right there um, is an important is an important point. You know, and and I had the I had the experience of running um, kind of rugged uh, uh, stuff that really needed a lot of love. Uh, uh, financial, tough love, management, love, CapEx, love, what have you. Uh, and I was really down in the trenches. Uh, and Tony's experience was, uh, you know, across the universe. It was institutional. Uh, he went to a, a really good MBA program, uh, got a degree in finance, uh, made a number of stops in the institutional world. So right there, uh, you know, you know, Don Fisher probably would have said that was, you know, that was a good choice by, by each of us. Um, but you also have to, in my opinion, you have to have partners who you just know, um, who, 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 who give you every conviction that they, it's impossible that they will ever do a wrong thing. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I guess rule one would be find somebody who can help you have more bandwidth. The other is um, invest in character. Uh, there's an old adage in sports that you can't teach speed. Um, but I, I also think in, 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 in other ways, you can't teach character. Um, and you, you'll know character. Uh, when you come across it. And lastly, I would just say, don't be in a rush. You know, you're going to meet a lot of people. Um, there'd be different people who, who you might meet who could be candidates. 
Um, you don't necessarily have to, to rush into forming a business together. And you can also do, you know, without having a business, you could do one-offs uh, together. And then if, you know, if, 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 if either party feels like it's not a fit, you don't have any more exposure besides um, what you've acquired. So with the Fed's hiking rates in a few weeks, I believe the next meeting is uh, March 12th, I believe. Um, yeah. We all know that it's coming down the pike. Uh, we're monitoring that situation here at our firm. Um, what are your thoughts just kind of on the, the state of the market? I mean, you know, folks, some of my friends, we're, we're talking, we're calling each other. I mean, we're seeing some syndicators just, you know, sending out prospectors with, you know, ridiculous IRRs and cash and cash. And we're like, oh my goodness. Is it that these guys are absolute fools or, or they're lying? Um, so um, we kind of... Well, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to get it wrong. Um, and it's very, very easy to promise too much. And that would be, as an investor, that's, that's something you want to avoid. You want to avoid um, situations where you think people may be over-promising. Uh, our experience has been that, we're, that we're, we have happier clients when we under-promise and, and over-deliver. Uh, and we think, uh, we think double-digit IRRs on worthwhile real estate are really hard to find right now. Um, you know, we're looking, at, uh, we're looking at core plus IRRs, probably somewhere between 9 and 11. We're looking at value-add IRRs between 12 and 14. Uh, we're, we're fighting as hard as we can uh, to be able to distribute uh, a 4% return. It's insanely competitive out there. So I, I would just say if you're gonna if you're gonna chase something with a really high IRR uh, and, it, and it's coming to you from a sponsor, know the sponsor, know the sponsor's track record, um, satisfy yourself that the sponsor has enough skin in the game, um, and satisfy yourself that uh, that they, they, the returns are really likely. Uh, we we are not a variable rate borrower. If you're a variable rate borrower as a sponsor, you're going to make more cash on cash. You're probably going to have three to five years of um, financing commitment, right? And at some point in time, you're going to either have to sell it or refinance it. And if rates have gone up, um, by the time you're exposed to the capital markets again, uh, you know, the, the investor cap rate is going to be higher, which means that's a challenge to the sales price. Interest rates are going to be higher. So it's a challenge to being able to, to, to refinance. And, uh, you know, unless you can really, if you're variable rate borrower, we, we always model that interest rates are going to move against us. And, and in fact, what's happened is they've, they've moved in our favor, right? And, you know, we've, in, in many instances, we've done, better, we've, we've done better than what we expected because interest rates have gone down and capital demand um, has gone up. So, you know, we always start with a fixed rate loan, which gives us, in, in some ways, gives us a, dis, a disadvantage. But, uh, you know, we did a few, Tony and I, I, I did variable rate financing in the 80s and 90s. And Tony and I did a little bit of it in the early 2000s. But I would say for the better part of the last 18 or 19 years, we've been using fixed rate debt. Uh, I mean, it's a business where a lot can go wrong. And if, if, uh, if interest rates go up and capital rates, cap rates go up, and your business plan isn't built to withstand it, you're going to have some headaches, right? So if people are chasing, you know, chasing high returns, um, you know, get whatever you can get. Um, to, but just be careful because once you invest in it, once you buy it, you do own it. And it is that thing that's either going to reward you or, or hurt you. And I, again, I just think that caution and pessimism has its place. Um, 
in the 80s, they used to call me Mr. Mike. My wife and, and our business partners used to call me Mr. Optimist, but I think now I'm probably more like Mr. Crackpot. Um, it's just, you know, I've been doing this for almost 37 years, and I, I know that there are a lot of ways that you can have um, challenges that you don't want that can put capital at risk. So for anyone listening to this, I mean, you, you mentioned you, you bought a 16 unit with, with you know, one of your first acquisitions. Um, now I think your count, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably 22,000 units, about 4.3 billion. Yeah, we're just under, um, we're just under 23,000 units. We are in, uh, let me think, I think we're in, uh, 16 or 17 states and 28 or 29 metropolitan markets, um, heavy in the West, um, solid in the Southwest and um, in Texas and uh, growing, you know, becoming more solid in the South, Southeast and Mid-Atlantic. Um, and uh, we, uh, like I said, we closed over a billion in acquisitions last year. We have uh, our current portfolio stand, stands at about 130 properties. Uh, we just got back into California last year for the first time, in, again, in almost 20 years. Um, and uh, we've, I think we've purchased, historically, we've purchased close to $6 billion uh, in assets. And we've probably sold uh, right around $2 billion uh, in assets. And so I think, I, I think the, the cost basis of our portfolio right now is, is about $4 billion. And uh, the cost basis of uh, the equity is somewhere between a billion two and a billion five. So um, I've got a very weird question, but I'll ask you that at the end. Um, but I want to ask one other question. So how do you buy a billion dollars worth of asset? This is a bit of a selfish question. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nightmarishly hard. So um, in, in 2021, um, it was fierce, but but we did uh, do probably fifty percent more than we'd ever done in a prior year. I think our prior high was seven hundred million, and last year we went over a billion. So you know, it's a lot of hard work, and and right now it's still it's insanely competitive. We have a lot of capital that we need to place. Um, but this is all you asked a much more innocent question, which was how how did it get to be the footplate that it is, which is. I don't, I don't want to call it nationwide, but it is coast to coast. And uh, I, I guess, again, this, you know, part of the secret, uh, and I'd never really thought about it before, is it, in some ways in this business, the things that give you headaches, the challenges, um, the, the reasons you have to be skeptical, the reasons you have to be concerned can also lead to um, your prosperity. Uh, we were, I was only an investor um, and, and project manager in San Francisco. Uh, for for most of the first 16 years that I was doing this, I think I did, uh, I'm going to say three properties outside of San Francisco. Um, and, you know, it just became harder and harder to find returns and I had to look elsewhere. And so by the late 90s, um, I started looking at Oakland. I, I hadn't I hadn't worked in Oakland, but I thought I saw the 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 chance that I could get better returns uh, in Oakland and and be able to continue running the business. Um, and then when Tony and I became partners, uh, it, it it got to a point within a few years that even Oakland was too expensive. So as as rates have been as returns have been driven down, uh, we've looked every year um, at new markets. And our, our first market out of state, curiously, was Spokane, Washington. Somebody brought us a deal there, and I tried hard to 
kind of take it apart and tell the guy why it wouldn't work. But every, every, um, you know, every criticism or concern uh, that I had about it, he had an answer for it. And, and sure enough, Tony shook it down as well. And then he was on an airplane to Spokane and I had never thought that I could um, practice out of my own backyard. I always thought I I could go as far as I could drive in two hours, Uh, but it was nothing for him to think about getting on an airplane and and going to see real estate because that's what he had done. And so we ended up doing seven deals in Spokane and then we, and then returns there. Uh, it became harder to find deals. And so we went, uh, we went over to the Puget Sound area. And once again, it happened there. Uh, and so we've just gone station by station in, in markets that we can reach um, where, where the story is good, right? And where we're seeing uh, the right kind of uh, job formation, uh, household formation, uh, income growth, uh, appreciation in single family home prices, um, and where we could buy assets that, that, that we could get returns um that were what we needed uh and so in short order we were also in las vegas and in colorado uh and in arizona and and every year uh uh we work like dogs uh to find assets uh we bought our first property in um the carolinas uh last year after looking at north carolina for probably 20 years um you know we'll look at we'll take in probably three to four thousand submissions a year uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, after a first pass, we'll end up doing a full underwriting on about 250. Uh, out of that 250, we'll probably write 50 offers. Um, and at the end of the day, we'll get somewhere between uh, 10 and 20 of them. And, uh, you know, we tend to do a lot of our homework up front. And so if, if we're awarded the deal, if we're the selected buyer, we're going to close that deal. Uh, it's insanely rare for, for us to, to not close. And that's also part of the reason why we have a lot of uh, institutions um, that are happy to sell to us because they know that if we go into contract, we're going to close the deal. Uh, but it's all been about uh, a chase for, for, for returns. And when Tony and I started, it was me and Tony and one other person. Um, this year, uh, we'll probably uh, uh, cross over 60 employees um, for the first time. And our acquisitions team is, is, uh, is eight people. So uh, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of work, but the rewards are that if you, if you like this and you see profitability in it um, and you can handle all the, um, all the headaches uh, and all the slings and arrows, you're going to, you, you have the opportunity to have either an investment or a career that you're probably going to like. So I can keep going on and on. Um, I do have one quick, quick last question. So just quick answer. Um, okay. Y- you know, you've done, like you said, in total, six billion. Um, why are you not on Instagram, like making noise and? No, showing- that's a that's a really good. That's a that's a really good question. <laughs> like some of um, these guys that I have done we- maybe just a billion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, we, I think we do have a LinkedIn page uh, and there may be people in the office that have, that have, uh, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. Um, my kids told me a long time ago that if I ever got a Facebook page, they would not friend me. And I said, thank you. That'll save me about 2000. That'll save me about 2000 hours over the next five years. And so I've just, you know, I've never wanted to do it. Uh, we've always been comfortable flying under the radar, which, I mean, we don't think that we're, that we don't think that we're under the radar. A lot of people know us, but uh, you know, we've never advertised. Uh, we we've never worked with a broker dealer. Uh, we don't pay anybody in our shop. 
uh, on commissions. Um, it is 100, our, our business has been based 100% on uh, friends and family and colleagues uh, and referrals um, and word of mouth. Um, and, and we've been able to do that because we focus really hard on the work. We, we produce really good results and the word is spread. And, you know, when Tony and I started out, we probably had two or three dozen investors between the two of us. And, and now we have probably closer to 1400 investors. Uh, and again, we, you know, we've never advertised, we, we don't operate a boiler room. Uh, we've never used broker dealers and we just focus really hard on the work. And uh, I'm, I'm actually one of those people who's kind of afraid of uh, social media because if I light up an account like that, then I'm going to become obsessed with it and, and just fuss over it all the time. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, and, and that does happen. That just may, you know. Yeah, that, I mean, that may happen. Um, but I like, you know, this is new. These, these conversations that I'm getting to have with uh, people who are, who are getting into the business are uh, really pleasant. Uh, and I certainly welcome the opportunity to do this whenever I can. And I, I will take you up on that offer to have a cup of coffee with you in Houston at some point. I'll be so um, glad. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, you know, we've been able to guide our fate a little bit by being uh, restrained um, in terms of marketing um, and being uh, deliberate uh, about it. And, um, you know, we, we get to run with a lot of really good people. Awesome. Well, we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Okay, let's go. Yep. First question, what makes you, Mark, unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess I really do believe in possibility uh, and, and it keeps me going. I go to work every day because they're going to be fresh. There's going to be fresh activity, fresh challenges. And I know that, it, that, that during that day, uh, uh, the possibilities and the opportunities are going to outweigh the headaches. Love it. What was the last book that you read and what was the one thing you picked up from that book? Mm, that's a really interesting question. Um, okay. Uh, science does not disprove God by uh, an author, an Israeli author uh, named uh, Amir Axel. Um, and thinking about the book, uh, I, I mean, you know, the, the, in many ways, the title says it all. Um, but the thing I really took away from it, um, uh, more so than that, was um, the greater appreciation for the limits of human knowledge. Hmm. I love that. You're busy, run the firm, show, you know, family. What do you do for fun? No, I actually do my work for, for fun. It's, I call it my wellness center. Uh, but my wife and I are at that point in our lives. Uh, she retired recently. Uh, and I have, uh, I have a lot of mobility uh, with my work. So we're at that point in our lives where we're, we're going places, uh, enjoying that, uh, enjoy hanging out with, with good friends and, and family, enjoying food and wine, uh, uh, enjoy outdoor activity. Uh, I do a bit of reading. Um, we have a dog. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's like, you know, we used to talk about the boy next door. It's kind of a boy next door um, kind of lifestyle, uh, but it suits me. I love it. If there's anybody listening and thinking, wow, just like I'm thinking, honestly, um, you know, Mark is a legend. Like, how can I get connected? How can I get to know more about your firm and what you guys are doing? So the website, uh, I, I actually am really proud of our website. I like it. I think it's user friendly. 
um, it, it's not clogged with uh, jargon. Um, and I think it's very plain spoken and user friendly. So I like that about it a lot. I think it gives a, I think it gives a good account or a good introduction of, of what we do and why and who we are. Um, and so, I mean, you can find me there. It's hamiltonsands.com. Uh, and otherwise, uh, anybody can send me an email at mark, M-A-R-K, at hamiltonsands.com. Someday I'll have a LinkedIn page. Not yet. Honestly, I didn't even think you needed it. <laughs> Coming from a millennia, I don't even think you need it. <laughs> You're just going to get spam emails to buy things you don't need. So, yeah. Yeah. In any case, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. All right. Hola. We'll look forward to uh, getting the release and uh, I'll track you down when I'm heading in your direction. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders who share their best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com that's bestevershow.com